0: Lord, I pray that we would understand your word, the context of it. But Lord, also that we would we would apply it to our lives. Lord, you're, you're speaking to the disciples here, but we your followers, may we listen with open ears and open hearts. Lord, may we not just come to church today, but may we be transformed by the, remote, the renewing of our mind, but also the gospel message. Guide us, Lord, I pray that you help me to speak and, and help me to preach not my words, not my actions, nothing I say or do, but it is you that that speaks this morning. Guide us, Lord. This word for today. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Excuse me. Just a little background, we read that passage just for context, um, because really 34 and 35 is where we're going to focus in on, but the events leading up to Jesus' death fell into place very quickly. We're, We're reading this, we have the ability to read the Bible as it was written, first-hand account, but things happen very quickly. In fact, some scholars say that this passage right here, this little caption, 31 through 35, is, is the prelude to what would become known as the farewell, farewell discourses in John chapters 14 through 16. It sits between Jesus washing his disciples' feet and then calling out Judas, but then also in, in chapter 14 and chapter 15 where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then I am the true vine. And so you almost have this saddle effect, this, this great happening, which we preach on all the time. You hear it all the time about Jesus washing the disciples' feet. And then there's also uh, Judas. He calls out Judas. And then it's like the Lord's Supper, the Mount of Olives, and then Jesus is crucified. John Takes time to pause and for us to understand these words. And I, I want to really have us understand that this morning. But I cannot skip over what happened with Judas here. Just to remind you that Judas was not chosen by God. He was there, but he wasn't one of God's chosen sons and daughters. He he was he was there. In fact, Judas here was sitting at the place of importance at the Lord's Supper. Other disciples regarded him as important, uh, yet he was called out by Jesus for who he truly was. And yet he was also loved by Jesus until the end. In fact, he washed Judas' feet just moments before. Jesus didn't reveal Judas' secret. In fact, he treated him just like the others and the disciples detected nothing. It was Jesus' love for everyone that was on display. But Judas pretended to be a Christian. He played with his sin. He played with sin so much that he put off salvation. Judas made a deliberate choice when he betrayed Christ. Is this you today? Are you just playing around with your life? Are you putting on a show with your false salvation? And just like Judas, God is calling you out right now. He knows you better and before you know yourself. Let me say that again. God knows you better than you know yourself, and he knows you before you know yourself. You can't hide from him. And so if you're here today... Thank you. Thank you that you are here. Or maybe if you're watching online, thank you for tuning in. But here's the thing, is that God knows you right where you're at right now. So if you've been playing around with this thing, Jesus called out Judas and he ran. I pray that is not you today. In fact, I pray that you would not run away, but rather run to Jesus. That you would repent and come to him. See, God loves you so much that he gave his only son to die on a cross to take your place. A death for your sinful life was paid in full and paid in advance of right now. But you, my friend, must put your faith in God Through Jesus Christ. It is by grace you are saved. It's not by your strength, your ability, your mindset. None of your earthly abilities can save you. It is only through Jesus Christ. Would you put your faith in Christ now? Again, don't be like Judas who was called out and he just simply left. But repent and come to Jesus. If you don't hear anything else, I want you to hear that. Come to Jesus. Now things again were accumulating really quickly. They they were coming to this climax. In fact, Judas leaves. We see that in verse 30. And I, I want you to notice this. It says, so after receiving the morsel of bread, immediately he went out, and it was night. And it was night is a very important thing because Jesus is the light of the world. When Judas went out, it was darkness. It was sin. There's a separation. Man, I love preaching about the gospel. I love telling about it. We just sang that, right? The old, old story. But Jesus, when Judas leaves, he says this, now God is glorified. What I'm about to do on the cross will glorify God. God. It's almost like he can't wait for the next things to happen. Though they would bring agony and pain upon him, he knew what was going to happen and God would be glorified. I wonder if that can be said of you in this church. Is God glorified by you and your relationship with Christ and is God glorified by your church? See, we, we all of us should be Focused on that, to glorify God. This is a mark uh, of faithfully doing what he calls us to do. But this morning, I want us to really focus in on verses 34 and 35. Let me read that again. A A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. It says a new commandment here. Why does does John put that in there? Why, Why did Jesus have those words for us? Because the commandment to love others is both old and it's new. It's old because it's found in the Old Testament. Leviticus chapter 19 verse 18 says this, You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sins of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's the first time it's, it's mentioned in the Bible. It says early back. It's from the Old Testament. that We are to love our neighbor, but it's new because Jesus now is interpreting that in a radical new way. He's saying, because of me, because of what I'm about to do, this commandment is new. You're going to realize it, and you're going to walk in it in a new way. 1 John chapter 3, John, the the author of the Gospel of John, writes another book, and and I encourage you, uh, in in additional study, read John chapter 17, and then also read 1 John. Because he repeats this message over and over again, but 1 John chapter 3, verse 11 says this, for this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Again, in Verse 23 of chapter 3 says, And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of the Son of Jesus and love one another just as he commanded us. See, commands to love were already known in the sense of the highest devotion to God. But Jesus' command that the disciples should love one another was both new in its scope and its motivation. It's because of how Jesus loved them. In fact, this word love is used only 12 times in John's chapter, from uh, John's book, from chapters 1 through 12. But in John 13 through 21, he uses it for 44 times. Jesus gets real here. says, All these things that I've, I've taught you. I've spoke on it here and there, but when the final days, the final moments came for Jesus' life, he said, love is going to be the greatest thing for you to understand. It's going to be the greatest thing because what I'm about to do is love. That idea of love as a commandment is interesting, because in the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments have the setting of the covenant between God and Israel at Sinai. It was where the stipulations that Israel had to observe if the nation were going to be God's chosen people. But now Jesus says, his followers will show that they are His. So there was all these rules, the Ten Commandments, and this is is how you set yourself apart. Now it is, this is how you show that you are my disciples. So let's look at this a little bit more. That word new, it's interesting that it's there. It means fresh, vibrantly new, rather than recent or worn out. In fact, I, I want us to look at three different points when it comes to this newness of a commandment to love. The first one is this, that there is a new standard. There's a new measurement for love. We are no longer to just love others as you love yourself, but as Jesus has loved you. Christ's own committed, self-sacrificial, and limitless love is the yardstick by which we are to measure our love for our Christian brothers and, uh, and sisters. John chapter 15, which apparently you guys have already started on this morning, which is great, says this, verses 8 through 17, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Did you hear that? You do this to prove that you are my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept the Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Verse 12 of John 15 says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. In the Christian church, love is not only expressed by showing respect, it is also expressed through self-sacrifice and servanthood. In fact, it can be defined as selfless giving, reaching beyond friends to enemies and persecutors. Love should be the unifying force and identifying mark of the Christian community. A very tragic thing happened in my life a week ago. Um... A college friend, a college uh, guy that I uh, went to SBU with, we went through ministry and stuff, was tragically killed in Texas. If you're friends with me on Facebook, you probably saw some of this. His name was John Powell. He was a church planner in Texas. He was also my wife's uh, classmate through middle school and high school. They went to school at um, Blue Ridge Christian School. He died in the same way he lived. They were driving to, him and a friend were driving to Missouri from Texas, and they came upon this car that was on fire and was in the middle of the highway. So they pulled off. They ran up to the car, and as they were pulling people out of this burning car, John looked up and he saw an 18-wheeler bearing down on him, and at the last moment, he shoved his friend out of the way and took the 18-wheeler with full force. It was said at his, his funeral just a few days ago that while other people were trying to live, John was trying his hardest to die. die to himself. See, this is what it means that there is a new measurement when it comes to our walk with the Lord. When we love each other, we're to love as Christ loved us. It is self-sacrificial love. It's not just love your neighbor because we've heard that and we can, we can categorize that, well, maybe they're not my neighbor or maybe they're way over there on the other side of the world. We, shouldn't, we should just love the people around us. No, Jesus said, I died for everyone. And so when you love, you love everyone. And your discipleship should be based upon this. There is a new measurement. It is no longer what other people think of you. It is how you match up to my love. Matthew chapter 5 verse 43 through 48 says, You have heard it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do you you not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same, for you therefore must be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Listen, our churches are full of this. We like the same people to come into our church as we are. And we give this holy huddle around us. Jesus says, those who are lost do that already. You be set apart. Love everyone. When I'm counseling churches in times of need and, and maybe they've lost their, their focus on their community, I, I begin to, to uncover what does the community actually look like? I don't even look at what's happening in the church right now, but rather what is going on in the community and does the church also reflect that? I think it was Martin Luther King once said that the greatest time of separation or segregation that happens in the world is that time when church happens every Sunday Now that had a, a racial divide on it but honestly that can happen on a lot of different levels. There's a new measurement It is love that is the true evidence that we belong to Christ the church leader Tertullian in uh, ad 155 to 120 uh, in 220, quoted the pagans as saying of the Christians, see how they love one another. And how do we evidence that love? By doing what Jesus did, laying down our lives for each other. Second point is this, there is a new focus. There's a new focus. We are still to love our neighbor and now a more intense love is directed towards one another. So there's a new standard. It is Jesus, not ourselves. And now there's a new focus. It is not necessarily loving your neighbor, but also loving one another. Listen, churches are really bad at fighting with each other. We're getting ready to merge two associations. Go to about 60 churches. Listen, we've already experienced it. Churches are really good at fighting with each other over piddly things. I wish we would fight alongside of each other for the gospel, for the kingdom advancement. But that's a whole other lesson. Probably not even a sermon. That's just a soapbox. But there's a new focus. Galatians chapter 5 verses 13 and 14 remind us that for you were called to freedom brothers only you do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh but through love serve one another for the whole law is fulfilled in one word you shall love your neighbor as yourself the disciples responsibility was to love one another just as Christ had loved them. Hebrews chapter 13 verses 1 through 5 even gives us a glimpse, almost a a breakdown of how we're supposed to do this. It says, let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated since you are also in the body. Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be Undefiled. for God will judge the sexual immoral, immoral and adulterous. Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. See, real love in this passage produces tangible actions, hospitality to strangers, empathy for those who are in prison and who have been mistreated, respect for your marriage vows and contentment with what you have. We must make sure that our love runs deep enough to affect these things. Jesus said, you should love one another as I have loved you. And then he says, not just those outside, but now inside. I was talking with my wife about the the message, and, and I don't know if, Melissa, if Brian ever does this, or he's working on his message and he's deep in thought and he's going through things and he'll ask you a question and you have no idea where his brain's at and he's asking like that one word. We're really not asking for help, we're just trying to to do things, you know, speak out loud because we're tar- tired of talking to ourselves. Think about this, the first point, there's a new measurement, we have to have an upward Focus. The second point, there's a new focus, and that means that we have to have an inward focus. The third point is this, we must have an outward outcome. Jesus never intended that his disciples would be caught up in a building to stay there and not let anybody else in. Yet that is where we find most of our churches. We have a lot of churches that are struggling around us and they have this this thing that happens to them and I call it the wagon syndrome. And it's when when the church begins to decline, they begin to circle in the wagons to keep those who are in the church still there. But Jesus said that our discipleship should be known by others. And so we must have an outward focus. Jesus was about to set his disciples free and to send them out. So that third point is there's a new outcome. There's a new mark. As the Christian community is infused by Christ-like love, the world of lost humankind realizes that Jesus is real. And we are his. Are you real? Are you real? Like what you do here, what you say here, is it real outside the doors? Can others see it? Is it tangible? Here, Jesus was saying that the love among Christians must be in the forefront of all that we're about. Further, we must, if we fail in this endeavor, then the world will be given the right to deny us. And think that we are not disciples of Christ. See, our love for one another will be the distinguishing mark of authenticity that we truly follow Christ. It's kind of like this one lady who was divorced and she had children but she lost them. And she started coming to church, or she was in church and this was taking place. And the people in the church started pointing fingers and talking about her. So she left. She left. Next thing she knows, she's at the bar, and this starts to become a habit. Finally, the pastor gets enough gumption to to go and talk to this lady. Says, how did this happen? Why did this happen? And her comment was this, whenever the people at the bar see me, at least they smile. See, our discipleship cannot just stay a private thing. In fact, Jesus said, by this, they will know. By your love for community, by loving one another, by growing together, the world out there will know. See, it's not about your programs or the things that you put on as a church. It is by how you love one another that the world will know that you are his and they will know the gospel. Man, we get that so flipped around, don't we? We think we've got to put on a show. Jesus said it's simply about loving each other and the world will know. So think about this. Think about your community around you. Do they know that you are a disciple of Christ? Personally. Think about the Vandalia community around you. Do they know that you, First Baptist Vandalia, love one another and it shows? Not just on Sunday mornings, but all of the time. See, there was power and new meaning behind what Jesus was saying because of the cross. See, the disciples, they, were, they needed to stick together. When Jesus died, they were about to be persecuted, and, and they needed to learn to love one another so that the gospel would go out. So, what about you? What about this church? Again, the distinguishing mark of true believers, of true disciples of Christ, is their love for one another. And it's a kind of love that the world can see. It has to be public. It has to be known public. Before we get to our application and then our invitation, I want to, I want to say this. This is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. Paul's letters. Paul's words of the church at Thessalonica. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you. For you yourselves have been taught by the by God to love one another. For that indeed is what you are going what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more. I feel like I've kind of Had a heavy message. I've kind of, you know, brought some stuff down on you. Let me me encourage you a little bit. Church, I do hear about you. I hear about what you are doing. And and I'm hearing it from faraway places, not just here in Vandalia. I hear that you are loving each other. And I want to be like Paul and say this. Do it even more. Listen, as a church, we don't arrive at a place. We continue to strive after Christ. So do it even more. So that the whole world will know Jesus. Start in your home, though. Start with you. Start in your home. Start in your workplace, wherever it might be, to the church, to the community, and on out. So let's, let's kind of bring it together, just an application. Let's, how, how do we put this into effect in our lives? First of all, for those of you here that do not have a relationship with Christ, that is where you start. You can't go any further. Jesus called out Judas, knew exactly where he was. Everybody else thought he was someone of importance, but really he was a lost person needing a Savior when the Savior was right there. And so if you don't hear anything else, hear this, that in our time of invitation, I'm encouraging you, I'm I'm pleading with you to repent and know Jesus. What that will look like, your pastor will be up here during the time of invitation and just come and simply say to him, I know I'm a sinner, and I know that I need Jesus. Help me. <laughs> He's not going to say any magical words. He's going to lead you through what the Bible says, to repent and to follow him. So that's the first part. second is this. Let's, let's look at it from a, a big point of view, association-wise. Right, I'm the DOM, uh, Director of Missions. Listen, first map is Vandalia. You're way up here. You're, I mean, you guys know where you live. You're way up here in the corner. When we join together, we're going to have First Baptist Boonville in Hartsburg and Centralia. You guys already know about those crazy people down there in Cowboy County and stuff like that. But listen, there are going to be about 60 churches love each other. We need to love each other as churches so that the whole world, some, I forgot how many, I had it all written down, I don't know, half a million people or so in our counties so that they will know. Let's love each other. So that's, as an association, so what about a church? Love your community. Love each other so that your community will be changed. Love some of the churches around here. Love them, that the ones that are in our association, maybe not. Join together, if the gospel is true for both of you, work together so that Jesus would be proclaimed, that lives would be transformed. Then you as an individual, love one another. See, there might be someone in here today the says, Preston, I have a relationship with God, but for so long I've just been holding this grudge against someone. Listen, you are never going to grow in your walk with the Lord unless you start loving one another. One of the things we don't do very well in our churches is a time of confession. And so I invite you that if that is you, just like the one that comes forward because they they want salvation, I want you to come forward and talk to your pastor. Maybe it's to get up and go to that person that you have a grudge with and, and say, You know what? I'm asking for forgiveness, and I want to love the way that Jesus loves me. So this is a time of invitation. So as the musicians come, it is it's a time of response. Again, God knows you exactly where you're at. You can't hide from him. If he's putting something on your heart to do, you need to do it. We have a time that is dedicated to invitation. And so I'm going to pray and then the musicians are going to Start playing, and this is your time to, to move. Don't hesitate. Don't run away. Lord, I, I thank you for this time. Lord, I, I, I thank you for this church that has has been such a, a minister to me in my time as being a DOM. Lord, I thank you so much for them, but Lord, I, I pray that they would be a Christ-like community within these walls that the gospel may go out into the community around them. Lord, that we would love with a fresh love, uh, uh, not a tired or worn out, Lord, but one that we are excited and rejuvenated every time we get to come together because we love each other. We can't wait to come together. Lord, I pray that over this church. But Lord, most Importantly, I pray that if there's someone here that's never experienced the love of Christ, that they would surrender their lives to you. For anyone that's been holding on to something that their life is just not growing, that they would surrender that over to you as well. Father, guide us in this time of invitation. Would you move us? We pray these things in your name. Amen.